Welcome back to Talk Green to Me, a podcast about materials and sustainability. I'm Manali. And I'm Nasreen. Manali, how's your fall going? Do you have a Halloween costume ready? No, I'm not dressing up for Halloween. Those costumes are usually made out of so much plastic, and it all ends up in the landfill after just one use. Yeah, like those plastic spider webs. But there are a couple of options that are more eco-friendly. Do you mean like real spider webs? With real spiders and webs? I guess those are biodegradable. I meant more like a recyclable, reusable, compostable, or biodegradable outfit. Like dressing up as a box using cardboard and making sure to recycle that box afterwards. You can also always get a costume that you will reuse and wear as a normal outfit. Like, where's Waldo or Mario and Luigi? It's true. I was a mime for three years in a row. (laughs) Waldo and mimes basically have the same outfit. What? (laughs) They do. They're like black and white striped shirts. You just gotta put some glasses on. Waldo is red. Red and He's white. Like... <laughs> Either way, striped shirts. <laughs> That's true. Or you could be Barbie. That was all the rage this summer. Oh yeah, that movie was great. But if we did have to do a biodegradable outfit or a compostable outfit, what's the difference? That's a good question. So there actually has been an increase in things claiming to be biodegradable or compostable. So it's a really good time to discuss this topic. So this is episode 26, Biodegradable Materials, Break It Down. What makes a material biodegradable or compostable? Are they the same thing? They are not the same thing. Compostable is kind of a subset of biodegradable. So all home compostable materials are biodegradable, but not all biodegradable materials are compostable. And what about degradable? I'm already confused. Well, let's break it down. Literally. A degradable material is anything that's able to be broken down either biologically or chemically. Okay, so a biodegradable material is a material that degrades biologically. I mean, I'm bio. Will I degrade? Well, technically, yes. In the spirit of Halloween, when you are no longer alive, you will naturally biodegrade. I guess you could be considered a biodegradable material. Creepy. But good for the environment, I guess. Yeah, generally biodegradable materials are ones that can be broken down by bacteria and natural organisms like fungi. Broken down into what, though? Organic materials that are biodegradable decompose into stuff like carbon dioxide, methane, and water, and basically other hydrocarbons. Wait, is that all that's going to be left of me? Well, eventually, yes. Similar to what's going to be left of things like trees and fruits and stuff. Well, at least that's all natural. By extension, more products should do this instead of building up in landfills. Yeah, and there are even other variations of this, like oxo-biodegradable. Is that like degraded by oxen? 
close, it is biodegradation with the help of heavy metals or catalysts. I mean, I guess that's kind of close, maybe. So compostable materials are also biodegradable, right? Based on what you said. I put my food waste and leaves and tree parts into my home compost, and eventually they break down and I can use the compost. Yeah, we learned this from episode 12b, where we talked to Corinco. She mentioned that in home compost systems, microbes and bacteria and all sorts of critters help break down organic waste into usable compost. But I'm confused. If degradable, biodegradable, compostable materials all break down, what's the issue and what's the difference? Well, the main difference is actually the time it takes to break down what is left behind. So compostable materials break down within 180 days in a commercial composting facility, although at home it can take much longer. Yeah, and biodegradable materials (laughs) that are not compostable may take years to break down. Also, biodegradable materials, unlike fully compostable materials, may still leave residues and toxins or other heavy metals and stuff in the soil and the environment. None of these makes me feel better. Can you give me some examples? In terrestrial environments, meaning like the normal earth or the ground, vegetables, which are compostable, can break down in a month. Tree leaves can take as long as a year, but nylon fabric can take 30 or 40 years, and plastic bags can be like half a century or until the end of time. Are you saying that the world is going to end in half a century? I mean, possibly. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) But there'll still be plastic bags. Oh, no. (laughs) That is the end of time. (laughs) What about things like paper or wool? Some categories of materials can be considered biodegradable, like paper and wool. And machipis that the wool comes from. They are also biodegradable. Yes, they are. But with the sole concept of biodegradability, there is a caveat. What's that? That the materials have to be placed in the right conditions to degrade or decompose. What sorts of conditions? Like the right amount of water and oxygen and suitable nutrients and the right temperature. That sounds like a lot of things. It's a lot of things, but with the right conditions over time, almost everything could degrade. Like how much time? Like, it could be weeks, or it could be centuries. Centuries? That's basically like having plastic bags. So, can we technically call a normal plastic bag biodegradable? Yes, and that's actually one of the big problems with the term biodegradable. Because many things that claim they're biodegradable could be doing that decomposing over hundreds of years. Exactly, and they're technically correct. But what if the conditions are never just right? Then the materials won't break down and will remain buried or floating or just on the ground forever. And this could also be the case for things that claim to be biodegradable in a few years or even a few months. Yeah, that's right. So you have a grocery bag that says it'll biodegrade in the right conditions within six months. It means that for all six of those months, the bag has to be in the right temperature, the right amount of humidity, the right light conditions, and other stuff for it to biodegrade. 
So it's very possible that it actually won't break down in that time? Yeah, unfortunately. And in some cases, there's another issue. More issues? Well, in some cases, the biodegradable material, such as a bioplastic, will actually break down into CO2, water, and some decomposition products will be left over. Like mush. Yeah, basically some chemical sludge. So it doesn't fully go away. Not necessarily. Some of the various chemicals that went into making that bioplastic could remain and potentially leach into the earth or water. Gross. Quite gross. Manal, you know what else is gross? What? How biodegradation actually works. Oh? It's not just microbes and bacteria and fungi eating or breaking down the material into their component parts. I thought that's what you just said it was. It's more complicated than that. They break stuff down in three main steps. Biodeterioration, biofragmentation, and assimilation. In biodeterioration, the physical or chemical properties of the material is changed and makes the materials weaker. In biofragmentation, it basically is what it sounds like. The plastics, for example, are broken down into small fragments or pieces, and this can keep happening until the smallest unit. And finally, in the last stage, assimilation microbes can take the biofragmented pieces and integrate them into their own cells, even turning those elements into energy. I guess that's not that gross. It's actually pretty cool. So they gobble up its bits that were broken down. Basically, but mostly it means that organic materials such as wood or wool or humans can be turned into monomers, energy, and CO2 and water, depending on the type of biodegradation. So we just talked about the steps. Now we're going to talk about the different types of biodegradation. What are they? So it depends on if there's oxygen present or not. When oxygen is around, it's known as aerobic biodegradation. In that case, the bio can make carbon dioxide. Yeah, and when there's no oxygen present, like deep within a landfill, that's called anaerobic biodegradation. In that case, the bacteria can also make methane. Yeah, and methane is pretty gross. So basically, you would just get consumed by bacteria if you were biodegrading, and then get turned into gas and carbon. Yeah, methane is what's in farts. <laughs> that is gross. <laughs> so it doesn't sound as cool anymore. And aren't CO2 and methane greenhouse gases? How does composting not contribute to making more greenhouse gases and warming the earth? Well, unfortunately, the methane does contribute to greenhouse gases. But the CO2 from composting is already part of the carbon cycle, so it's nature's way of reusing carbon atoms, which travel from the atmosphere into organisms in the earth and then back into the atmosphere over and over again. So it's not making CO2 in excess. Yeah, exactly. But unfortunately, in landfills, as stuff is biodegrading, there is methane released. And if there are not technologies in place to capture that methane, then that is contributing to greenhouse gases. But the downside is it is harder for bacteria to break down materials when there's no oxygen present in landfills. So even paper, which is compostable otherwise deep in landfill isn't easily broken down and can take a while to degrade. 
And once it degrades, it might not create CO2, which just goes back into the carbon cycle, but it might actually create methane, which goes into the ozone and contributes to greenhouse gases. So recycle or compost your paper. Or, or exactly. like use less of it. <laughs> All right. Wait, so let's get back to this difference between compostable and biodegradable plastics, not just materials. I'm still kind of confused about what's going on with this whole plastic situation. So a biodegradable plastic or polymer is capable of decomposing into carbon dioxide, methane, water, biomass, which is carbon-based stuff, or even inorganic compounds. So just like what we said, and this is primarily done by microorganisms like bacteria and enzymes, the same as with some of those other natural biodegradable materials. Yeah, but for biodegradable plastics, they have to follow certain conditions and be able to biodegrade in specific amounts of time, and the end results have to be able to be measured using particular standards. So compostable plastics are a subset of biodegradable plastics that specifically break down in these composting conditions, whether that's at home or an industrial facility, but with a required amount of time. The most important requirement with compostable plastics is that as they're breaking down, they shouldn't have any visually distinguishable bits. They should all turn into compost or soil. So like some biodegradable plastics, when breaking down can form microplastics, and that takes longer to break down into CO2 and all the other stuff. But for compostable plastics, you won't see any smaller plastic chunks, and these Materials basically break down similar to cellulose, which is the main component of trees and paper, and they won't leave any microplastics behind. Okay, but like, cellulose from trees is obviously from nature. Are other biodegradable plastics also natural? No, not all of them. There are two kinds. Ones that are bio-based, like you said, cellulose from trees or other plants, even synthesized by bacteria or other microorganisms. That can include starch or proteins like gelatin, silk, wool, or animal fats. And the others are petrochemical-based, made by humans and science, more specifically taking monomers from petrochemical refining and synthesizing them into plastics that could inherently biodegrade because of their chemistry. There's also a sort of in-between where you can take monomers made by nature, like lactic acid from bacteria or corn, and then turn those into a plastic, like polylactic acid. You'll see a lot of biodegradable cups and cutlery made of this stuff. We've improved on our pronunciation of cutlery. (laughs) (laughs) But since those monomers come from bio-derived sources, they are considered bio-based plastics. It's important to note that not all bio-based polymers are biodegradable and vice versa. So it's really important to understand what material you have and what the best way to dispose of it is. For example, a polylactic acid plastic fork can't go into your home compost, even though it's biodegradable. But depending on who made it, it might not be compostable at the industrial composting facility either. And unfortunately, PLA isn't very recyclable either. It's a number seven plastic, so it shouldn't go in your recycling bin. Basically, it goes to landfill, or it could potentially go to waste to energy too, if those systems exist. 
The thing with PLA is that the monomers are from bio-based sources, not petroleum, which is advantageous for some other reasons. Like, it's a plastic that can be used for bone implants or medical devices because your body is more compatible with them. It's lactic acid at its smallest unit. And it can be made using corn or bacteria instead of having to be mined, cut oil, synthesized. Or uh, I guess fracked. It doesn't have to come from fossil fuels in the ground. Either way, even though something is a bio-based plastic, it might not always be great to put it in your compost or try to biodegrade it. And the point that we're trying to make is that every plastic does have a purpose, whether they're bio-based or not. And it's important to know how to dispose of them at the end of their life. Scientists and engineers decide on whether to make compostable or biodegradable products. They're often balancing a lot of these different properties. They consider how long their products have to last to do the job that's intended, but also if they can degrade or biodegrade in the conditions that make it okay to compost at home or at a facility or just biodegrade before a century is over. Unfortunately, that's where greenwashing often comes in. Sometimes certain plastics are labeled as biodegradable or compostable when they aren't actually. So these compostable and biodegradable plastics are generally more expensive to make than petroleum-based plastics. Yeah, and a company could use cheaper plastics and label them as biodegradable when they're really not, just so they could sell them for more money. This is why there are ASTM, ISO, and other standards. Companies have to test against these standards to ensure that their plastics and materials actually degrade, biodegrade, or compost to the acceptable level. Looking to see if a company used the standards and took the time to test their products for biodegradability is one way to fight greenwashing. There are also specific labels you can look for, like the DIN Certco OK Compost for industrial composting. And the AIB VIN coat for home composting or the TUV certificates in Europe. There are also labels specific to different locations, such as biodegradable in freshwater or seawater, which is related to the ecological and marine life toxicity of the materials. I think in the U.S., the main one to certify whether things are compostable or not is actually the BPI certification. So keep an eye out. Composting works in different ways depending on where you are. In the U.S., composting facilities make usable soil product that you can then use to supplement soil for your garden or yard. In Europe, some organic waste is turned into compost and digestate, but some is also converted from waste into energy. Currently, only about 40% of Europe's bio-waste is recycled into compost. There is a goal to reach 65% recycling of bio-waste in the EU by 2035. While this goal exists, there's currently no law applied to bio-based or compostable plastics in any comprehensive manner in the EU, which makes it difficult to increase the rates of bio-waste recycling. In the U.S., there are only two states which have implemented statewide organic waste management and collection, and these are California and Washington. Well, that's a good start. Keeping organic waste out of landfills helps with reducing methane gas production. 
That's actually one of the main reasons for these collection programs to exist. Unfortunately, in the rest of the country, organic waste collection is not highly readily available. This is true for most of the rest of the world as well, and has been a really big hurdle in making bio-waste recycling more universal. In the U.S., the Compost Act has been proposed, which will support the need to increase infrastructure and support increasing composting operations across the country. While it hasn't been signed into law yet, there is increasing support for this act, and hopefully we will see some changes and improvements to composting infrastructure soon. Aside from composting, there are now various labeling requirements that are being used to combat greenwashing and false biodegradability claims. A few states have already disallowed non-compostable products from being labeled as biodegradable on the product. The Federal Trade Commission has cracked down on deceptive biodegradable claims previously and is continuing to do so. There was a case back in 2013 when certain companies were required to pay fines for spreading false claims about biodegradability of plastics. And we're going to call them out right now. (laughs) (laughs) Some of the companies involved were AJM Packaging Corporation that made paper plates and cups and also ECM Biofilms, which made supposedly biodegradable plastic pellets that could be turned into grocery bags and other plastic products. Many of these companies had to remove biodegradability claims from their products completely unless they could prove their claims, and also had to list the amount of time and the type of conditions that were needed to make their products degrade. There have also been several more recent studies in places like Brazil, for example, that looked into biodegradable claiming materials, such as single-use plastic utensils, and those claims turned out to be false. So this problem is really everywhere. It's not just the U.S. or the EU or specific countries. It happens all across the globe. It is unfortunately everywhere, and it seems to be increasing because customers want more and more eco-friendly items. That's true, but not every company is willing to actually make their products eco-friendly due to the higher cost, and sticking on false claims and committing greenwashing is a much easier solution. That's sad. We as humans always want the easy way out, it seems. Yeah, but that's unfortunately rarely the best way out for the environment. The problem of greenwashing is very difficult to solve because challenging every product that's out there on the market is pretty much impossible. That's why rules and laws that ban the use of the word biodegradable are important. The EU currently has a proposal where they're discussing banning the use of certain terms like eco-friendly and bio-based and biodegradable or even carbon neutral. This is designed to help consumers spot greenwashing as part of the directive to empower consumers for the green transition. While it hasn't been voted into law yet, we can hope that it will. Yeah, and in the meantime, we also hope that these statements will be scrutinized more. Especially by us consumers. We need to pay attention to labels and read them carefully to understand what a product is claiming and whether it's actually eco-friendly or not. So we talked about companies having to make sure their products meet the required standards to be considered compostable or biodegradable. But what are companies doing to improve the usefulness of these biopolymers? Well, part of the issue with biopolymers like cellulose is that they can't compete as well in some properties like strength and barriers while being also compostable. 
And even with recycled petroleum-based plastics or polymers, once they go through the recycling process, it's hard for them to perform as well as virgin plastics. So how are scientists tackling this challenge? There is a lot of research and development and scale-up going into using nanomaterials to give biopolymers and recycled polymers some of these additional properties like strength, while even potentially replacing additives such as metals or minerals. We talked about multi-layer packaging requiring plastic and metal layers in our carton episode with Chris Carr. And in our composites episode with Ernie Simpson. (laughs) Replacing metals and minerals is important because they can help reduce the need for mining and they aren't degradable or biodegradable in the same way. This is actually something that we discuss in our interview with Gauta Juliusson from Torophene. This company is adding graphene nanomaterials to bio-based polymers to achieve high strength while maintaining compostability. Join us next time to find out how these cool materials work. This episode was edited and produced by Manali Banerjee and Nasreen Khan. Music is by Shang Young. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TGTM Podcast, or you can email us at talkgreentomepodcast at gmail.com.